good morning, good day, and good evening. Welcome back to the show. Today we are doing a solo episode, and I have some, uh, I guess you'd call it good news? Interesting news? I finally got my fiber connection actually working. It has been a, um... It has been a long journey to get here. You've probably seen I've done a bunch of clips on the on this channel. I've talked about it a ton of times in this podcast. Finally, the connection is actually working. Now, it was installed like it was in like the fiber to the house installed I think like 6 no, 4 months ago. We originally got stuff started like 6 or so months ago. Got it installed back then. Um uh, maybe 3. Whatever. It was installed a couple of months ago. And we've had the, like, the modem sitting there for a while, and our ISP hasn't let us actually set up a connection. They've just been saying, hey, uh, you don't actually have this installed yet. And they've sent out multiple people to install the box that is already installed. So, it's been a mess. Now, we finally had a technician come out to, like, check what's going not Like, check what's going on. Not just showing up to be like, oh, you know what? The box is installed. This, I don't know why I'm here. Someone actually checked, like, was the box installed properly? And here's where it gets fun. So, we've had the fiber connection installed to this house for all this time. And when they install it, like, they put a box outside that, like, uh, the, the fiber from the wherever the fiber comes from comes to the house, connects this box, the box goes into a modem inside. To that box on the outside of the house the fiber connects to, there's a bunch of ports. Uh, I think there's eight of them. And the people who installed our fiber installed it into port one. Now, my house and my region is not a port one house. It is a port eight house. I don't know what the ports. I don't. I don't know why they have different ports for different regions. I'm sure there's some like. I'm sure there's something there. But my house is a port eight house. So the people who installed the fiber at my house. They installed it in the wrong port. So all of the equipment we had working perfectly fine. There was literally no issues on that front. Our modem was fine. Our router is fine. Our cables were fine. No issue. Except they installed the fiber wrong. So we've been waiting all this time just for them to realize they fucked up. Now, when they did the installation, so there was... I think there was four people here when the installation happened. And three of them seemed like they had basically no idea what they were doing. So my assumption for what happened there is there was one person and three people, like one uh, supervisor and three people being trained. And I guess they just decided to train at my house. So, um, yeah. You'd think the person who was in charge would, you know double check the work and make sure everything's good uh but no so yeah that was fun now we swapped over from our old connection the old i think it was 50 by i want to say 50 by 10 it was a 100 by 10 might have been 100 by <clears throat> wait what did we have before no it was 100 by 10 we had a 100 by 10 connection before and now we have a glorious 250 by 20. Now, fiber in Australia, you can't really... Like with a residential connection, you don't really get that great. Also, they will 
overcharge you to the fucking moon if you want upload. So right now the connection we have is 250 by 250 by 20 and we're paying 100 Australian dollars a month. So uh 60 US, I guess that would roughly convert to. And if we wanted to go up to like 40 upload or a hundred upload, they would add like 50 or a hundred dollars onto the contract. Upload isn't that much more expensive. The reason why they can like get away with charging so much for upload is that the like regular person doesn't care at all about upload. They just upload some TikToks, they upload some Facebook videos, some images. They're not doing like, you know, streaming and high uh high bitrate video things like that where you do need that upload but they do download that stuff and that's why you, you can usually get like a much better much better connection on that side now <clears throat> usually when you get a connection you don't end up getting the like the full speed of it. it's like ah oh, you know you get you pay for 250 but in reality you're going to get like i don't know 1 70 or so but last time i'm not going to show the ip because uh just in case ips don't swap until uh this goes up but right now i'm doing a speed test and i'm getting <clears throat> the i'm getting 242 down so basically as good as it can pretty much get okay drop down to 230 and then upload side i'm getting 23 and a half right now <laughs> 23 and a half upload which is so that is so fast compared to what i had because usually like usually i'd be working with like a seven which is totally fine or maybe like a 10 which was totally fine for streaming um maybe a little bit too close to the uh the border there like because i i do 6,000 kilobits so you want a bit of buffer room there but now there's definitely that buffer and now if i maybe don't have a game downloaded during a stream it's not a big deal. Like, I downloaded East Origin, which is about two gigabytes. It took about a minute and a half to do that, which is absolutely crazy. Like, I've never had a connection this fast. I would love, you know, I would love symmetrical gigabit. And you, I think you can get it with, like, a business connection. Um, but residential is not happening. Uh, I think I've actually talked about gigabit in Australia, but... Let's see. Australia, not not that one. Australia, gigabit. Um, also, if you can hear my keyboard, I've got a new keyboard. I'll, meant to, I'll, I'll talk about that in a moment. Um, I don't know if you can hear it, though. Let's find out. Uh, you can't hear my keyboard. Okay. Maybe, maybe just ignore what I said then. You cannot hear my keyboard, but now you know. Um, Aussie Broadband does a... I think this is the one... Oh, let me show you how just ridiculous the upload nonsense is so where is it where are their plans so this is tw uh, 250 by 25 this is probably what the normal people would get this is 130 dollars a month now if you want to get a hundred debt a hundred up sorry they add 80 dollars to the contract and then the top contract they have for the residential connection doesn't even have the top upload speed you cannot get like a thousand by a hundred or a thousand by two fifty or anything like that. The top they offer is a thousand by fifty. So if I went up to that plan 
like as a content creator, that is literally downgrading my connection. Because sure, the extra upload is nice and it's great for the um you know, the regular the regular consumer. But why can I not get a thousand by like at least a thousand by a hundred? There is no reason why you can't offer me at least a thousand by a hundred. Maybe there's some like weird nonsense to their back end, but I I don't believe there is a reason why they couldn't try to offer me a thousand by a hundred. That's dumb. Like at least say, hey, maybe our, maybe the gear you have isn't going to support it out of the box. Maybe you need to get like upgrade your gear. Fair enough. But at least offer it for the people who want to who want to waste their money. Did I not clean this cup? I didn't clean this cup. Give me one second. <laughs> Uh, you know what? I'm just gonna leave the tea there. Uh, <laughs> I made the <laughs> I made the tea in a dirty cup. Now the tea's gonna sit there and not be drank. That's sad. <laughs> There's like I I think it's breadcrumbs in there, so I probably I could drink it. Um, that's sad. <laughs> I'll make myself a cup of tea afterwards and then uh stop being sad. But yeah, now we have the 250 by 20 connection. I'm very happy about that. Uh, I haven't tested it like in the context of um you know gaming or anything like that but i i don't see any reason why it would be any less stable that that would be really weird uh ff14 servers let's do a ping of the server i'm playing on uh, arr status uh do 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 i've moved over to aether here we go let's try that ping oi no, I'd not. The IP is not part of the command. Uh, that is basically doing exactly the same as it was before. Okay, so no difference basically in the ping, which is fair. I wouldn't really ex have expected a a difference in that regard. Um, because I was already sitting on like, because I, I run a, a wide connection as well. I was already sitting on basically a, a as as low as your ping is going to get in the context of connecting to servers either somewhere else in the country or on the other side of the world. Um, so now we've got our... So our, our, our like, uh, what, what do you call it? Our, we have a modem router combo, like most people have. So now the, now the modem is something... So when you have NBN in Australia, they actually install the modem on the wall, and then you'll plug your other devices into that. So now my uh, what previously was my modem router is now acting as a uh, switch and router, I guess. It's not a great switch. It has four ports on it. Um, so, yeah. Also, it's Wi-Fi and all that fun stuff. I don't use the Wi-Fi for pretty much anything besides my phone. I like having cables, so now I've still got my switch under my bed. It was a matter of switching the cables over and all that. But one thing we can do now is um <laughs> I showed this back in my video when I, I got the switch. I'm so sad about this tea. Um I showed this in the video where I got my switch. I could just fish it out, that's an option. Um I have a cable running along my entire hallway. Uh now this was not good when it was when the um the modem router combo nonsense was in my housemate's room because it could just run along down like the hallway and not be a problem. Now, because we've moved that into the, I get, I think it's called the, 
the second dining... There's like a... The, this house is laid at super. This is like a dining room. And I think they called it the breakfast room or something on the floor plan. Um, now that's in the breakfast room. So rather than running directly up the hallway, now it runs directly up the hallway and then turns at that room. So there's just a cable sitting in the middle. Uh, what we're planning to do now, and uh, probably going to do this after I record the podcast, is run the cable along the ceiling, which is something we were planning to do ages ago. And once that's done, it's pretty much going to clear it out. This is just going to drop down like in front of my door and then is pretty much good to go. Assuming we don't um, break the cable, which would be really bad because then we'd have to take all the hooks down. And uh, <laughs> yeah, and they're going to be hooks that you like nail into the ceiling as well. So yeah, um, should be fine. She'll be fine. <laughs> Either way, uh, it's good to have the new connection, and hopefully nothing goes wrong. Hopefully nothing goes wrong. Oh, that does remind me the uh, the cable we had connected to the the modem that was uh, the, the the fiber modem we had there. Uh, <laughs> so I don't know how this happened, but at some point the Ethernet cable attached. The shielding got slashed. I don't know what slashed it. Whether it was... I, I, I don't know what could have slashed it. Because um, we never have anything sharp over there. It's not like we're vacuuming the floor and the cable could have gotten like caught up in that. Or uh, something like that. I, I don't know how it got broken. But the uh, Ethernet cable wiring. Um, here we go. Uh... So, the inside of the, an Ethernet cable looks something like... That's a terrible picture. Uh, here? This will work. Uh, actually, this is a, good, a really good example. Here. Here we go. So, the inside of an Ethernet cable looks something like this. You've got all these twisted pairs and all that fun stuff. Now, due to the way an Ethernet cable works, if some of these, uh, if some of these lines are broken the cable will still function. But depending on how the damage occurred, it may drastically reduce your speeds. Turns out, that's what happened with that cable. So it was a, like a 25 meter cable, I think like a 10 meter cable, something like that. It was a relatively long cable. Um, plugged it in, and on that cable, we got 50 down and one up on the same connection. So clearly... Something is wrong with the cable. I didn't do like a deep dive onto the cable itself, but it's possible that something got slashed in there. Now, if I really wanted to, I could just cut the end off the cable and then rewire it, but I just didn't care enough. I've I've wired Ethernet cables before. It's it's fiddly. It's not difficult. It's just really annoying. Um, as long as you just get like a cable uh, cable stripper and a cable and your cable crimper and all that fun stuff, uh, it's not difficult. Just you just put the thing where the thing goes. It's all, like, color-coded and all that fun stuff. So it's pretty straightforward to do. Uh, also, there's just... You can just look at guides online. There's one way to do it. So as long as you do the thing in the right way, uh, it'll work. Don't be like me, like, uh, when I, I made the cable where <laughs> I... Uh... <laughs> so the purpose of these little... Um... These little, like, plastic doohickeys on the end is to strengthen the cable. So you want to have those, like, 
go, you want to have some of the, like, the regular cable go into the plastic doohickey that holds it. I didn't do that. I stripped off way too much of the cable and had, like, the wire exposed. <laughs> so, like, the internal wire was exposed, um, which will work. Like, it's, it's going to work just fine. But the purpose of the plastic thing is to make it so when you're a dummy and you yank on the cable, which is something you're going to do, you don't break the cable. And, like, it, it is a usable cable. Um, I didn't do that. So, yeah, that cable, I think, I think that cable lasted for a while. I don't know whatever happened to it. I know I was using it at one point, but I don't know what, what I ever actually did with it. Yeah. Uh, also, there's, like, a million videos on YouTube on how to, like, make an ethernet cable. So if you really wanted to do so, like, you could find out. Um, if you have too much time and not that much money. I don't actually know how much it you'll save by doing your own ethernet cables, actually. Um, ethernet, uh, let's go cat6, no plug. How much is it per meter? Uh, no, not cat6 and plugs. Cat six uh cable no connectors no terminators uh I'm just finding e I'm just finding made cables. Amazon show me the thing that I actually want to see. I don't care about the Ethernet uh, uh, the Ethernet plugs themselves. Oh my fucking god. Okay, maybe somewhere else. Maybe not Amazon. Um Okay, no, not that one. That's the connectors again. Oh my, show me the... Oh my god. Oh my god. No. Termination. Show me the thing I want to see. Because uh, I know you can just buy it. it. You can buy it at a fucking hardware store. <laughs> Why is it not showing me? Bunnings. Bunnings saved my life. Um, Ethernet cable. I know they literally have, like, giant fucking wheels of it. Here. Okay. Thank you. Uh, this is solid core Ethernet network cable. It is 100 meters. It is... Not showing me a price. Details. Where the fuck's the price? <laughs> Bunnings, where the fuck's your price? I always scroll past it like 10 times. Uh... Let's go back. Okay, 30 minutes. $38. What was this one? That was $100. Okay, so it's about a... A hundred or so... A hundred, about a, a bit over a dollar a meter if you buy a lot of it. Let's just say a dollar fifty. So a dollar fifty per meter. And how much is a... Uh... Okay, 20 meter Cat6 cable is $38. And then connectors you can buy for a couple of cents. Like, if you buy a lot of them. That's the only problem with doing your own cables. It only saves you money if you're doing a lot of cables. <clears throat> um, but I guess if you were doing that, you could probably... Like, you could save yourself a good... Especially on, like, 50-meter cables, for example. You could save yourself a good, like, you know, maybe 30% on the price if you really wanted... Once again, wanted to waste your time. Because it's not difficult... But it is going to take you, especially on your first couple of cables, like, maybe a good, like, 15, 20, maybe 30 minutes. And whether your time is, like, 
worth that much. Like, whether it's it's cheaper to just buy a cable or make your own cable. Because remember, you have to do both sides. So, if one side takes you, like, 15 minutes, you still got the other side to do as well. And that's um, a little bit of a problem. Mm. But it's fun. I, I did it during my, um, my first year networking class. I think it was just called Network... Network Fundamentals, yeah. Um... I think that was my first week class. I guess they wanted to do something that was interesting and exciting before they started doing networking. Because I fucking hate now. <laughs> I I hate networking so much. <clears throat> so with the um the Wi-Fi, I guess a Wi-Fi router they call it now. The Wi-Fi router we have, it's like a lot of these really really shitty modern locked down. One of uh one of these devices. So if I bring it like the the thing up on like you the you go to the IP of the device, you cannot actually set anything from the um the device screen itself. Like from if you connect to it from a like a, a computer. So the only way <clears throat> the only way to configure it is through the app. That's the only way to do it. I don't know what's wrong with just doing like. It, it's fine. Have it, have an app there as an option, but don't break the thing that everybody <clears throat> who has any technical knowledge goes to as their default to fix a modem. Like, why? Why do you have to do this to me? Just, just don't. Like, stop it. <laughs> or at least give me any other way to access. I I would take a like. I would take just like SSHing into the device. Just give me some way that's not using your stupid app. Because for some things it's fine, but when your app gets in the way of setting things the way that I I want to set them or browsing information that I want to be setting, it's a problem and I don't like it. But usually I don't have to deal with that stuff. You Like with, with my home setup, I just really can see my shoe back there. <laughs> This is a random one of my work shoes. Um, usually, you just set things up with a home connection, and you're good. The extent of uh, my com my my complex networking is plugging in a switch, which I I did consider buying another switch for the the Wi-Fi router itself, uh, just in case there is a need for having extra ports, because right now. Two of the four port. Wait, sorry. There's technically only three free ports because one of the ports is taken up by the connection to the modem itself. So it's not exactly a um, optimal setup if you want to have anything wired. But my housemate doesn't really care about that. The only thing he wanted wired was his desktop, so he didn't really care about the laptop. Uh, even though it does have a port on there. And I guess maybe, possibly, you could do, like, Ethernet to the PS4 in the lounge room. But nobody plays it anyway. <laughs> and, like, when stuff is being played on there, it's uh, not being done <laughs> online. So it doesn't particularly matter in the first place. But maybe at some point that'll happen. Uh, at some point, is not now, though. Uh, I mentioned FF14 before. So, I have for a while now been playing on the Oceanic servers. Um, 
the new they they're called oceanic servers but they're very much australia focused it probably should have been a like a sea server a southeast asia server because that would still be good for australia but would also be good for southeast asia the problem with the oceanic servers is nobody's fucking playing on them like FF14 right now is in kind of a, a lull period where we're between like major, exp we're like in the middle point between the expansions. We're in the middle point between like big patches, things like that. So the player base just naturally is going to decline during that period. And the problem is that Oceanic didn't have a player base to decline. So when i first joined it was great because everybody was joining to level their alts and get the like the free gill and get the free game time so great uh, great during that period that died out pretty quickly because once you've leveled your alts hey there's no reason to stick around with your alt because ff14 you can do everything on the same character so unless you want to have alts for doing like rp stuff or erp stuff generally the alts don't really matter or if you like if you're a weird person who wants to experience the story on different characters, I guess. But, like, there's not particularly much value in doing that. So, most people don't bother. So, a lot of people just play on one character or they'll have uh, just, like, a very low-level character they don't bother doing the story with on other servers just to, like, you know, go to house parties and nightclubs and whatever there. Um, so, during that, like, probably three months after the big rush happened, that's when things started to, like, settle. And it, it wasn't, like, dead, but it was settled. So you could queue perfectly fine as a healer, as a tank. As a DPS, uh, not so much, but DPS usually struggle in pretty much anything but, like, peak hour times. And that was good for a while. I really enjoyed that. The issue is that didn't last forever. So, especially now that I'm in Stormblood. Um, so the first expansion, A Realm Reborn, it's great because you have a lot of like new players that are experiencing that. And the Heaven's Ward, the second expansion, is also fine. Stormblood, the third expansion, is where you're in that like middle period between the beginning of the game and the end game. And there's not that many people in that middle section, especially on Oceanic. So it got to the point where my daily roulettes, I would play as a healer, and it would take me about 15 minutes to queue, which I, I just don't want to deal with that. Like, the reason I play healer is for healer privilege. I want instant, just absolutely instant pop queues. If I wanted slightly slower queues, I would play a tank. Tanks usually pop pretty quickly. Healers go very fast because no one wants to play a healer. I actually kind of like healer gameplay. Uh, and I like having the the entire team's uh, stupidity in my hands. Because when they... Healing in FF14, especially on like um, outside of endgame content, is very easy. So if people are doing things they're supposed to do, especially now playing in a, uh, Astralo uh, Astro a um, Scholar, which has an auto heal... A lot of the time, I don't have to press my heal button. So when people do stupid things, it gives me something to do. I enjoy people being dumb. Like, if you want to pull the entire dungeon, fine, do it. You might die, but you might not. It gives me something to do, though. At least I have to, like, try and see what I can do and keep you alive. Um, so, yeah, 
I play healer because I like my insta-pop Qs. I don't know how long it would take to queue as a DPS. I genuinely don't. Um, FF14 doesn't have a distinction between like different types of DPS, like your magical DPS, your ranged DPS, your physical DPS. So when they're queuing as DPS, it's just generically DPS. It's different if you do like, you know, um, party finder stuff and like set up a specific party, but for general pug groups, it doesn't matter. Um, and that's just for my duty stuff. Outside of duty stuff, it got even worse. So I'm doing the Stormblood Alliance raids. I say doing because I'm not really doing them on... Oh, I wasn't really doing them on Oceanic. I've moved now. Um, I did the first one, which is... Uh, I forgot what the, I forgot what the uh, Alliance raids are called in Stormblood. Uh, F14 Stormblood uh, Alliance. What is the first one called? Uh, do Stormblood, the Royal City of Ravenastra. So I did that one. It took me about three hours to queue. I then tried to do the Ritorana Lighthouse, and I queued. I think over the three or four days I did so, maybe, maybe fifteen hours of queuing. At, like, a bare minimum, and it's probably more. It was such a fucking mess. I couldn't do so. And then there were the Omega Raids, which I'm also trying to do, which also wouldn't pop, like, at all. And the thing with um, Stormblood and the Omega Raids is they're both in the, um, the like, the Alliance Raid for the, um, the Ivalice Raids, and then... The, um, normal, uh, normal raid roulette for the Omega raids. But the thing with, um, <laughs> the thing especially on Oceania, Oceanic, this happens on every server, but especially on this, there is a lot of people who do, I guess what's being described as an eye-level cheese. <clears throat> so a lot of people don't want to do any of the Alliance raids besides Crystal Tower. Crystal Tower is the first one, and many argue is the easiest. And not just easiest, everybody knows the mechanics for Crystal Tower. Generally, you don't have wipes on that uh, on that raid. Sometimes you have people who don't understand, like, stand behind the rock when you are at the behemoth. Uh, and sometimes you have people who don't exit the giant death circle when they're supposed to exit the giant death circle. But besides those, um, you're pretty much good. And usually, like, there's a healer or two that can res them in... Or, like, a uh, red... Uh, red, uh, red mage can't uh, res during... Um, Crystal Tower, too low level. A, uh, a, a summoner. A summoner can do the res. That's usually fine. But the raids after that... People don't know as well, and sometimes people actually die, especially in the Void Arc. Especially in the Void Arc. <laughs> yeah, um, Stormblood, from my, from what I've seen so far, is not really causing an issue. Like, it's, I don't, I, I've not gone into any of the, uh, Alliance raids and actually prepared for them. I just wing them. And usually... If you just pay attention to what other people are doing, you can pretty much work it out. Uh, yeah. So, 
I've wanted to do the Stormblood raids, and I couldn't do them on Oceania. And that was the thing that broke me. I could deal with the 15-minute roulette. I could deal with story dungeons taking 30 minutes to queue on a healer. I could deal with that. I couldn't deal with over, like, 12 hours to queue for a single Stormblood raid. And it was only going to get worse from there, because that's the... That was the first tier, and I can't imagine the... Oh, sorry, the second tier, it took so long. I can't imagine third tier was any better. Same with the Omega Raids. I couldn't imagine that any of the Omega Raids were going to be at all reasonable to queue. So, I eventually decided I am just going to move over to Aether. I was considering going back to Elemental. Elemental being on the JP data center and Aether being on the North American data center. The reason I didn't want to go back to Elemental, there's actually a couple of reasons. Firstly is the time zone. Time zone was a big one. So if you've never played an MMO, a lot of people like to do their MMO gaming at like late at night. So peak time on JP is like 6 p.m. onwards, usually to like 1 or so a.m., and the same is true in America as well. The difference is that 6 p.m. is when I wake up. So I wake up at around 8, 9 a.m., depending on what the day is. And pretty much the entire time that I would normally be playing FF14, like anywhere during that period, it's peak. I just play during peak all the time. And then when it's off peak, Here's the thing, though. It doesn't even matter that it's peak and off-peak, because off-peak is still double the, like, still double the part, I think, no, like, 5x the party finder, and double the, uh, double the, like, pug duty finder than it is on Oceanic during the peak. So it doesn't even matter. It's still bigger any time of the day. And I think it took me 30 minutes... Maybe 10, 5, maybe 10, 15 minutes. 10, 15, uh, yeah, about 15 minutes to queue for Storm, uh, the, uh, the second Stormblood raid on, uh, on Aether. And, sorry, I was talking about the reasons why I did it, didn't I? Yeah. <laughs> I'll get back to the, uh, the, the, the raid itself. Um, so time zone's the first one. Second one is the language barrier, because while Elemental is the unofficial English server, like, unofficial English data center on the JP data center, there are still a lot of people that play, that are JP players on Elemental. So, I would say it's probably majority that's Elemental, especially if we start getting outside of Tombury and Kujata, which are the uh, English servers. There's uh, other ones that, like, are overflowed for the overflow, but generally you start getting into more JP stuff there. Um... Now, it's not a big deal for FF14 because it does have the cross-server uh, duty finder and stuff like that. So for like stuff like that, it's good. Um, but you still do have a lot of JP players on Elemental. And that can lead to like uh, communication uh, issues with the more endgame content, the, the high-end content that's available. So I ever want to get to the point where I'm doing like ultimates and things like that, which may or may not happen, or like current tier savages, for example, or extreme, things like that, I, I want to be able to communicate with the people. And while I, you know, am learning Japanese, it's, it's going to be better to just 
do that in my native language. And that's the thing that's going to happen with America. So you have those. Also, I just wanted to try out a, uh, a new server culture. So I've only heard from people that don't play the American servers. I have only heard bad things about the American servers. And as someone who's now played there for not too long, like a couple of days, it's been great. Like, maybe it's different in, like, high-end content, but, like, Aether's been a great server. Everyone is just as welcoming as they were over on Oceanic and even on the... Even on Elemental, um, for the most part. Like, he had some exceptions where people just didn't talk. That's the other big thing. The, um, the way that people actually interact in the game is completely different on the American servers. So, on JP... And even to much of an extent on uh, on Oceanic, which kind of surprised me, but it makes sense considering that a lot of people on Oceanic did come from the JP servers. The public chat, the uh, the say chat, whether it's like it's the local area chat, is dead half the time. Maybe someone will say one thing. There will be bots advertising stuff. There might be someone advertising a nightclub. But I am an ex-RuneScape player, and in RuneScape, the public chat was always full. Like, it didn't matter if you were in uh, in Falador doing some smithing. Didn't matter if you're in Varrock uh, going to the Grand Exchange. Didn't matter if you go to, like, the, the Gnome Village. Didn't matter if you went to, like, um, what's, the, what's the lobster place over the mountain? It's been a long time since I've played... RuneScape. Uh, RuneScape map. Um, let's have a look-see. I'm now forgetting it. It, it's, it has been a long, long time since I've played RuneScape. Uh, a tree gnome stronghold. Where is my... There's my work with map. Catherby. Didn't matter if you were doing... Anything down by Catherby, or like you're at Sears Village, or pretty much anywhere that players existed, there were going to be people that were that were chatting in RuneScape and chatting in the in the public map in the like public chat. But you just don't get that in FF14, and that's the big thing that's changed. People people talk. Like I go to I go to Limsa Liminza, and people are talking. They're just talking in public. I know a lot of people in 14 like to have chats in, like, uh, their FC chat and in, what are they called? Link shells, which is basically like a private chat or like a private group chat. I get it. And it's, it's a big part because FF14 doesn't have chat bubbles. So if people are talking in public chat, um, the public chat is going to be spammed by text and it's going to be hard to, like, Keep an eye on what's actually uh, actually going on for for what your try like for what your conversation is. So it makes sense, but I don't like it. <laughs> like I get why it happens. I just I just don't like that it has to. Ha- I'm just I I'm keep looking at the um the RuneScape map and I'm I'm just remembering all of the things that I did in all of these various locations like. Uh, in Fremenic province, doing rock crab farming up here. Uh, what do we have? We have the Caradin Desert. I never actually did like a big exploration going down to a 
go. I think I did. No, I did the agility pyramid a couple of times. Um, what is this town? Nada. Some of this stuff I I didn't explore. I think most of my exploration of, um, of of, uh, this yeah of this area was done, especially Barrows was done on, uh, RuneScape private servers like Empscape and things like that. Man, I <laughs> I should stop looking at this because it's gonna make me want to actually go and play old school RuneScape. And that takes too much time, and I have no, I, I don't, I don't, I definitely don't want to do that. Uh, as much as I want to do that, I don't. I <laughs> one one MMO is uh, way too many MMOs already. I don't need more of them. As much as it, uh, as much as it might be fun to waste hours and hours of my life playing, uh, playing RuneScape. The only problem I have with like going back and doing RuneScape is just. It takes so long to do your leveling. Like, obviously, getting to the levels where you can do most of the content, it's fine. Um, but like, if you wanna, if you wanna get like max level in anything, like, it takes so fucking long. I think, if I remember correctly, ex the experience for ninety-eight to ninety-nine is the experience of everything up to ninety-eight, or it's it's some it's some ridiculous number like that. So, all of that time just merged together. But yeah, I, I'm I'm enjoying it over on the uh, US FF14 servers. And the ping, here's the thing. So <laughs> this is why it's so stupid. Um, FF14 every so often has some weird routing issues. I don't know why this only happens in 14 and no other games. I have a feeling there's something really fucked up about their network architecture, which is true in other ways, which we'll talk about in a bit. Um, <clears throat> I was getting 230 milliseconds ping on the Oceanic servers, on my local servers. They're in Melbourne. It's not that far. I should at most be getting like 80 or 90. And for a little bit, I actually was. But at some point it dropped down and then... <clears throat> Yeah, it just it just stuck at where it's at. So I went over to the JP servers and I got better ping over on JP. I think I was getting like 150 or so. And then on Aether, it was only 10 milliseconds worse than Oceanic. And if we're already playing at 220, an extra 10 isn't that big of a deal. Especially, you know, if you start using some of the not TOS friendly tooling that is available that totally doesn't exist that no nobody ever uses 14 Alexander nobody ever uses no clippy no one's ever done that because the networking in FF14 is absolutely perfect and if you play at 200 milliseconds ping it is a perfectly playable game and you, it doesn't break you know dual weaving and in some cases triple weaving the game is as playable at 200 as it is at 50. Except that's not true. <laughs> that's not true at all. The network in this game is so fucked. Um, <clears throat> it's not just the networking. It's the fact they do... They, they FF14 has a lot of animation locking. And not animation locking of, like, things that make sense. Like the uh, Dragoon jumps, for example. You will have your, like, your, your skill bar animation locked in places where there shouldn't be animation locks. So... <clears throat> 
there's, I think, like a 500 millisecond lock or something stupid. So if you have a 200 millisecond ping, you effectively have like a 700 millisecond. It, maybe it's not that much. It's a lot more uh, of a lock than your ping would indicate. But there are possibly, you know, there are possibly extensions that nobody actually uses that um, reduces some of that locking by sending uh, packets that say your ping is a lot lower and totally don't fix all the issues that the game has and make the game a million times more playable. But no one would ever run them because that's against TOS. That's against TOS, and nobody breaks TOS when they play FF14. Nobody runs extensions. Nobody runs plugins. And um, you don't want to be a, a, an evil hacker, do you? Speaking of um, extensions, though, FF14 VR. Someone is actually working on a, uh, a VR mod for this game. It is, it is a little bit something. Is this the one with this? Yes, okay. This has the video on it. Let's have a look at this. I'm not going to play the audio because that will... I was playing the audio. <laughs> that that will blow out your eardrums, but I can't actually hear it. <clears throat> so, clearly some aspects of the game are a little bit funky right now. So, I think you can, yeah, you can just walk around your player model. Uh, this is very, very early. Like, this is, this is pre-alpha and the, the alpha is coming out very soon. Uh, but running through dungeons like this seems... Oh, so you can play in third person. <clears throat> Which seems weird to me. I don't know why you'd play a, a VR game in third person. But yeah, you can do VR third person. And you get very close to these frogs. And very close to the old lady as well. Um, but first person, I think, is where this could be really, really cool. I don't know whether you'd want to play it like this. But I think it is really cool. Was this person playing a fucking dragoon? Hold up, hold up. I think I saw a lance there. Yeah, they're... Oh my god, they're playing a Dragoon in VR. Why would you do that to yourself? Like, if you use your jump ability, it's gonna throw you in the fucking air. I get, um... I get bad motion sickness when I'm doing, uh, anything VR-related. So I probably wouldn't want to do any... Any Dragoon, any... Anything with, like, jumps or launches. So maybe, like, Dark Knight as well would be a problem. Red Mage would be a problem. Uh, are there any other big launches? I guess Machinist does jump around a bit, but not that bad. Ninja does have its, like, uh, AoE kunai that it jumps in the air for. Also, I guess it has its teleport, so... Teleports aren't that bad. It's the jumping back and forth that's a big problem. Um, <laughs> so this is, like, really, really cool. So this is made by the extremely talented modelers... Uh, modders, sorry. Uh, Marulu and Street Rat, who worked on Half-Life 2 VR and have been working on a Six Degrees of Freedom VR mod for one of the best MMOs, FF14. And if you talk about this on Twitch, if you talk about this on YouTube, you might get banned. Because imagine, imagine not banning people for, for you know, aesthetic mods and... Things like that. No, they have to be... You can probably hear that I'm... I, I don't particularly like the way that... Um, <clears throat> the way that Square Enix approaches plugins. <laughs> Ban all the plugins. Doesn't matter how... How 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 little they actually do for the gameplay itself. Um, yeah. Yeah. Also, 
Considering that VR, like VR, that um, metaverse stuff doesn't matter, make make VR mods for a lot of the big MMOs and see how how even less people care about the metaverse. I really don't care about meta. Meta lost a lot of money this year. Uh, was it like 73% of their stock value or something ridiculous like that? Like an absolute insane amount of money. Um, yeah. Speaking of um, VR though. Uh, is it this one? What was the... There was a Twitter... Uh, here it is. So, considering it's 2022 now, it is, uh, it is a very important time if you're a giant weeb like I am. Because now, we have, uh, we have approached the year of Sword Art Online. So, there is this Twitter account that is posting dates for all of the events that happen in SAO. I don't know what they're going to do after the... Now the game the game launched two days ago. I don't know what they're going to do with like events that happen during the story. Because uh, I don't know how any of those... I don't know how any of those actually have... Um, actually have direct dates attached to them. So... Maybe we'll hear about Kirito clearing certain floors, things like that, but I'm not certain. Uh, but yeah, back in August 1st, the SEO beta test finally started. Think of the think of the content that we uh that we have available in VR now. It's sad. It's so sad that we have this stupid metaverse nonsense and these dumb headsets and these these fucking controllers you hold. We could have SAO. We, one day. One day we might have SAO. That would be nice. Um, one day. <laughs> Possibly. Also, there was a, um, a, 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 a... In relation to this, um, someone sent me a... I think it was a post over, oh, from Facebook, I want to say. Give me one second. I'm going to open it. Because uh, Oculus actually made... Uh, oh, sorry, not Oculus, made. Um, Parmalaki of Oculus made a uh, a concept of uh, <laughs> something fun. <clears throat> uh, here we go. This VR headset can kill you if you die in a game and was inspired by an anime. If you die in the game, you die in real life. If you wear the headset, the Oculus founder... Uh, Parmalaki created in honor of the Sword Art Online. There was a, there was a lot of really dumb comments on here from boomers who somehow managed to follow IGN, but don't actually know what Sword Art Online is. Um, because there was someone in here. Where is it? It's I think it's just completely gone now. Yeah. I can't think of a stupid example of someone IRL missing the point of a work of fiction. I'll say this about SEO, what I heard about George Orwell's 1984. It's a warning about the future, not an instruction manual. It's also a joke. It's a literal joke. What the fuck? The anime is all about the characters trying to get out of VR. Uh, they're trapped in without dying first. And all people on the outside trying to get them out too. So kind of miss the point of the story. Uh, yes. Wait, what was this one? 
That's gnarly. Tone it down a bit like like a gaming chair that will slightly poke you in the back with a really sharp stick. Because <laughs> there was someone in here be who actually took it seriously, who thought this was an actual thing that existed. Uh, it was like, death row inmates shouldn't be playing video games. They should be put on the chair. I don't know if it's serious. It, it's, it's so ridiculous that it sounded like satire. But it's also Facebook, and Facebook is full of boomers. So it's entirely possible that it was um, that it was a hundred percent serious. Uh, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, um, <laughs> no, buying a, a VR headset is not going to kill you. Uh, sadly, we are not at that level of technology because you know I look, look, he, he look, I'm going to be honest, right? If if there is a if there is an SAO like technology that exists and you know it's spread around that maybe it'll be dangerous if you use it, how many of us are actually gonna be like, you know what? I actually don't wanna I don't wanna go to this VR world even though it's gonna kill me. I think a lot of people are just gonna be like, you know what? If I'm gonna go out some way, this might might as well be the way that I actually do it. It's not the uh it's not the the longest life you're gonna have, but hey, uh, maybe maybe it's not that bad, <laughs> or maybe it is. Maybe you have a, you you don't want to do that. Here's the question though: Why was nobody in SEO a, uh, a a a live streamer? Like, could you just not capture the game? Because here's what would actually happen with an MO launch: It doesn't matter if it's a VR MO or anything else like that. People are going to be streaming it on day one. Why was nobody streaming SAO? That didn't make any sense. Like, you would think that's something you would do. But no. Giant plot holes in the story. Uh, actually, wait, when did the original... When did the original... Uh, web novel for SAO come out? Maybe live streaming wasn't that big... That, that popular of a thing back then. Um, okay. You know what? I'll... 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 I'll give them... Oh, uh, yeah. So the original light novel came out in 2009. Um, the web novel came out years before that. Oh, a couple of years, not like a really long time. Okay, no, really long time. 2002. 2002, the original SEO web novel happened. 2009, the... Um, there's no excuse for it not to be rewritten in the light novel, though. Because, like... While streaming wasn't this, like, major thing back in 2009. It was in its early stages. And YouTube was well-established at that point as well. So it's it's pretty... It's it's pretty clear that, like... I think if, if you can say that YouTube exists and YouTube is a popular thing, it's pretty clear you can go from there to doing, like, live videos on there as well. Did Justin TV ex exist back then? Actually, wait. Justin TV. When did Justin TV exist? Um, around the time of YouTube, actually. I don't know how big it was in, in Japan. Um, so Justin TV eventually went on to become Twitch. Um, maybe it wasn't that big in Japan at all. It, that's very possible that it just, but there probably were some sort of, there probably were some sort of streaming platforms in in Japan back then. Um, I'm just not 100% certain. Because YouTube didn't have streaming until much later. Um, 
yeah, I don't know. I I'm, I'm sure someone could have guessed, but also the original SEO light novel, original SEO web novel is a mess. It's not good. The original light novel is not good either. If you ever read SAO, um, you know how in the anime it feels like the pacing is a mess and they're like, jump between events. Like, hey, we're on floor one. Oh, we're on floor two now. Oh, we're on floor 70. Like, what? Like, dumb jump. Like, 25 or something. And you're like, what happened in all this time? Well, the answer is nothing. Nothing happened. Because Reki did not think of it at that time. Um... So the pacing in the the anime is just as bad as the pacing in the light novel, but I feel like the light novel does it a little bit better. For some reason, it feels less awkward in the context of writing. Maybe it feels more like a journal or something like that. Either way, whatever the reason is, um, yeah, it's a mess. Uh, it's not until, like... It's not until people start saying the SAO is actually bad that the light novel actually becomes good. It's when you get to the... The Leafa stuff, the... What is it called? Fairy Dance is the arc in the light novel. When you get to Fairy Dance and then uh, Phantom Bullet. That, I think Phantom Bullet is where SAO actually becomes really good. Like, actually, like, really, really good. Whether people liked the second season of the anime or not is another question. I thought it was really good, and uh, I will stand by that. <laughs> I just don't care what people's, like, what people's, like, critical opinion of anime is at this point. Like, there's a lot of people who sort of think their opinion on on a series is way more important than it actually is. Like, if you ever go to my anime list or any, like, anime social media site where there's a review section, you'll notice that very quickly. Some of my favorite shows have been those, like, it's got a, a 6 out of 10, which is effectively a 1. Because the, the, the scale on a lot of these sites never actually goes all the way down, like the lowest rated things are like five and a half because people just don't know the other side of the scale exists, I guess. I don't know. Like people, like a five is sort of treated as an unwatchable series where five should be like, it's, it's average. That's five is the middle point. Five is average or like, it's not bottom of the barrel. That's for sure. But that's just the way it's, uh, it's been treated. But, like, my, my taste in anime is just, like, I watch things that I enjoy. I'm almost finished with Naruto. People can be like, Naruto bad, Naruto not good shonen. Watch, watch Jujutsu Kaisen, watch Demon Slayer. I watch both, and they're also great. But also, Naruto's really good as well. Um, I just watched uh, Naruto... What is it called? The last Naruto the movie? Is that is that it? The last Naruto the movie. Yes. The last Naruto the movie. Which is... Uh, not the last Naruto the movie. The movie after that is the last Naruto the movie. That they called it the last because whatever. Because the next movie is technically like a Boruto movie. Um, so it's the last Naruto movie. This is the next movie is the first Boruto movie. Anyway, um, I did not like the last. The last was not very good. <laughs> there were so many, so many things. Once again, you don't have to care about my opinion, but uh, I'm gonna say it anyway. Um, there were so many things in that movie that just bothered me. Uh, so, the Slice Life stuff, I think, was actually the best part. If this was a Slice Life movie, it would have been 10,000 times better. So, the first thing that bothered me is... I'm, I'm going to give you spoilers for the last, so, like, whatever. Enjoy the spoilers. Um, movie came out eight years ago. So, 
at the start where Hinata is being captured by... What's his name? He's such a forgettable villain. Tonari? Yeah, that guy. The, uh, the, the antagonist of the movie. Trying to capture Hinata. And... When Naruto throws the Rasen Shuriken, which for some reason are now orange, I don't know why they became orange. It's not like he was infusing them with, like, Karama's chakra. They're just orange now rather than blue. So, like, that just happened. Or green. I don't know why they're orange. Anyway, they're orange now. Um, so, he threw the Rasen Shuriken, and Hinata was dropped. Now, the early part of this movie starts with Hinata like, knitting a scarf that she's going to give to Naruto and she's going to tell Naruto that she loves him. All that fun stuff. Um, Naruto doesn't end up taking the scarf because... Or, like, doesn't get given the scarf early on because he already has a scarf and Hinata gets jealous, being like, who gave you the scarf? I don't know who gave him the scarf. Does someone else like him that gave him the scarf? Turns out at the end of the movie that his mum gave him the scarf. Like, it was from, um, like... Not his mum gave him the scarf. His mum knitted the scarf before she died. And um, Naruto and Konohamaru found it in the third Hokage's uh, possessions. So he was wearing that that scarf. Hinata was being Hinata about it. So when Hinata was dropped, um, she forgot that she was a ninja. And forgot that she could like uh, meld chakra. Because rather than putting her feet on the wall and walking up the wall. She got the scarf like hooked on a, a nail or something sticking out of the building and was using, like was holding that while it was like breaking and going down. All, literally all she could do is just put her feet on the wall and walk up. This is Naruto. You can walk on walls. You can walk on water. You can stand up, sit down on a tree. Why did you forget you could do that? Like it didn't make any sense at all. So uh, then there was like four extra times throughout the movie where Hinata, like, she, like, I think she remade the scarf three times and destroyed, it was destroyed all those times as well. It was only until, like, right at the end when Naruto actually got given the scarf. And, like, that, Naruto wearing the scarf is, like, on all of the promotional material. So I presumed he would have the scarf at some point before the end of the movie. Also, the fir- literally the first time that he gets the scarf, they're doing some like weird color filtering as well. So you can't even see him wearing the scarf. Also, they show Sasuke here as if Sasuke was going to be a big part of the movie. He shows up for like one scene and he's like, Naruto isn't here. The only person who can protect the Leaf Village is me. And then fucking punches a meteor. Ah, that's the other thing. So, here's the plot plot of the movie. This is where I I love it, actually. It's, it went, like, full dumb. So, the whole gist of the movie is, uh, Tonari is one of the, the descendants of, uh, uh, Hagoromo's brother. Um, the, the guy who went to the moon. Um, yeah, so they, Hagoromo, the, the Sage of the Sixth Path, what was his brother? Hagoromo? Hagoromo Otsutsuki. What was his brother's name? I forgot. Uh, ba ba ba. Hamura. Hamura. Yes. So, um, Hamura and, uh, Hagoromo sealed their mother 
Kaguya in the moon. And then Hamada went to the moon to make sure that Kaguya doesn't escape or something. Um, but did a pretty shit job because, like, she was just teleported to Earth during, like, the end of the movie. Anyway, at the uh, end of the series. Um, so, Tonari is one of the descendants, one of the disciples of Hamada. And because of all the fighting on Earth, Tonari was like, you know what? Um, I'm gonna, th I'm gonna crash the moon into the Earth. That's actually the plot. So, the movie starts with, like, extra meteorites, uh, extra meteorites come, like, hitting the Earth, and people are like, wait, why are there more meteors? This doesn't make any sense. And they realize the moon is getting closer. Um, and where was I going with this? Um, right. Also, I don't, why did he, wait, so, Tonari wanted to, like, capture Hinata to get her, um, Byakugan, to turn them into Tenseigan. Um, I don't remember why. I don't know why he wanted that. I think he just wanted to kill everyone. Yeah, I think, I think his goal was to just crash the moon into the earth. And that's all he wanted. Um, he was a really sh weird and shallow villain. Um, but here's where it gets fun. So, Naruto, Hinata, uh, Shikamaru, uh, Sai, and Sakura, they, uh, went to go fight Tonari. And, uh, at some point, they, like, during the, like, the early parts of the movie, they weren't just fighting this guy at his lair. His lair was on the moon. So they were fighting on the moon. And in the Naruto universe, the moon is hollow. And not only is the moon hollow, but not, uh, but, but ninjas can breathe in space, apparently. Um, yeah. So there was this bit, it, this, this was already dumb enough, but there was this bit where uh, Naruto brought out Kurama to go and fight Tornari. And they were fighting on the surface of the moon. Okay, fair enough. Whatever. Karama's just a chakra beast. Presumably that means he can fight without oxygen. Um, also, uh, yeah, the same is true for ninjas. Like, I get the, the whole, like, you know, uh, fighting underwater thing. Like, multiple people did that. But apparently space doesn't matter either. So, like, you can just go and fight in space. At least in this movie. Um... So yeah, they fought on the surface of the moon. Also, the moon seems to just have, like, Earth-like gravity. So, yeah, it didn't actually seem like it was the moon. Um, but <laughs> it also, there's other dumb things. So, uh, for some reason, don't know why it didn't ever get explained, the, uh, the village in the clouds has a giant laser cannon um, that they were using to fire at the meteors. Why do they have a laser cannon? How did this happen? When did they get this? I don't know. Uh, but there's like two modes for the laser cannon. There is the meteorite, like fire out a bunch of laser modes, which just ha so happens to hit all of the meteorites. Um, and the Daikage was like, you know what? I want to blow up the moon. Like that was his plan. His plan to stop the moon crashing into the earth was blowing up the moon. Didn't think about any of the consequences for doing that. Doesn't matter. Just blow up the moon. It'll be fine. And um, the only reason they didn't blow up the moon is because 
like some of the ninjas there that were like looking at the moon, looking at it with te uh, telescopes, were like, wait, I think Naruto and Karama are fighting on the moon. And Naikage was like, fuck it, blow them up anyway. And everyone else, like all the other Kage was like, no, let's not do that. Let's, um, let's, let's wait an hour or so and uh, not blow up the moon. Um, so ultimately they obviously won, didn't blow up the moon. Uh, and then the movie ended with the most contrived kiss scene I've ever seen. So there was at any number of points throughout the movie they could have had a kiss scene, or they could have had a kiss scene at the wedding, or something like that. No. The way they did it is... <laughs> so when they're escaping from the moon, and going through these, like, portals created by crabs, once again, it's Naruto, it's weird. Um, Naruto and Hinata were, like, gonna run out of time, the portal thingy was gonna be closed. So Naruto, like basically used, like, a Rasengan to fire himself up in the air and then crashed through the uh, the ceiling because they were going way too fast and they were going to crash in the top of the cave. Broke through the top of the cave and then while they were in the air and while they were falling to their deaths, um, that's when the kiss scene happened. Just out of nowhere. It's like, let's just do this now. But hey, at least Naruto finally realised that he... Uh, that Hinata liked him. It only took, what, 700 episodes. And he didn't really figure it out. He just, like... The only reason he figured it out is because he was in a genjutsu that made him, like, relive all of his childhood. That's the only reason he worked it out. And he's like, wait. When Hinata said that she loved me, maybe she didn't mean that she loved me like a hamburger. Maybe she actually meant that she wanted to fuck. Why? That makes sense. <laughs> it's so fucking... It, it was so dumb. Um, and the movie ultimately ends where the uh, the next movie begins with uh, Boruto and uh, Himawari. Um, the last was not very good. It it wasn't even like it wasn't even bad. Like the Boku no Hero movies are bad, or like. I was going to say Dragon Ball, the Dragon Ball Super movies, but they're actually really good. Mm. I guess there's the exception for the most recent one. Um, what is it called? Um, superhero. Dragon Ball Super Superhero, something like that. Uh, that one, it was a mess. So that one and the Boku no Hero movies, what they all have in common is they have incredible animation, shallow as fuck villains, and terrible writing. But the incredible animation makes up for it. There are some ridiculous fight scenes in all of those movies. It doesn't matter that at the end of one of the Boku no Hero movies, uh, <laughs> Bakugo is given one for all. And then there's a scene where I'm, gonna, I'm just going to show you it because I've already spoiled it. Um, Bakugo, one for all. There is a scene at the end of that movie where both Deku and Bakugo have one for all at the same time. And somehow Bakugo's body just instantly adapts to using it. No problem whatsoever. 
then you have um then you have the new i'm gonna there is new spoilers here for superhero you have uh dragon ball super superhero um uh superhero uh what's it called orange orange piccolo where piccolo gets this new form but the movie is so badly written that they introduced the form before introducing Gohan's new form. So Piccolo got this new form and then it was instantly retconned, like instantly destroyed and nobody cared about how powerful it is. Um, so we have Gohan, Gohan Beast Form. Which is basically a Dragon Ball OC. Like, that's what this is. This is... Hey, look, it's it's Super Saiyan 5. He's got silver hair now. That's literally what Gohan Beast is. Um, you get dumb things like that. And that's all great. But Naruto The Last doesn't have that incredible animation. It's not bad. But, like, there are some episodes of Naruto with... God tier animation, like obviously you can go all the way back to early Naruto with Rock Lee and Gara. You can have a more, you can have the uh, best animation in early Shippuden, the scene where Shikamaru is playing Shogi. But if you want to, if you want a fight scene, you can go further ahead to something like um, the fight with the mask dude, um, the mask dude in the Akatsuki. Uh, what is his name? Naruto Akat... I'm working on a new keyboard right now, so it's... it. I'm making a bunch of mistakes when I'm typing. Uh, Akatsuki... Uh, what was his name? Uh... Wait, was it Kakuzu? Kak yes, Kak... No, wait. Yes, Kakuzu. Kakuzu. The, uh, the fight with Kakuzu and, uh, uh, uh um, um, Kakashi, Akashi, Kakashi, uh, or you have the fight with Kakashi and Obito, or you have various forms of the Madara fight. All of these have god-tier animation. Or, actually, wait, the, um, the, the fight, the first big fight between Naruto and Sasuke at the end of the end of original Naruto. All of these fights have incredible animation. And then there's the last Naruto the movie, where... It, where yeah, it's just, it's just... It just is. It's just not great, but it, it just sort of is. Like, it's... It's... It's depressing what that movie could have been. Um, if they firstly had good writing, but even just had better animation. I wouldn't have been complaining about it if it, if the animation was good. Like, I I hate the story in all of the Boku no Hero movies. Anytime there's a new Boku no Hero movie that comes to cinemas, I watch it. Because I know, like, the regular series always has great animation, and the movies are even better. And the same is true for Dragon Ball. Now that I've seen a terrible Dragon Ball movie, I'm still going to watch them all, because Super had a great animation. Super also had a good story. Resurrection F had great animation. I was just going to say Freezer's theme. Freeze, a freeze, a freeze, a freeze. If you've not heard the freeze, if you've not heard Freezer's theme, it's called F. 
Go watch it. It's fucking great. Or go listen to it. Um, then you had the Broly movie. Broly was also very good. The problem with the Broly movie is they hadn't really worked out what they were going to do with 3D animation yet. So Broly was a mix between 2D and 3D. And I don't think it... It didn't work as well as I would like. So Super did the same thing, but Super... I think Super only did 3D backgrounds. I think. Or maybe it did a... It might have been a while since I've watched Super, and maybe it was just as bad as um, Broly Swaps. But the big problem with Broly Swaps is the animation style in that 2D style was so distinctive. Like, it... It, if you saw any shot from that movie, um, you would notice it. Dragon Ball Super Broly. Like, it's very, very clearly a... It's very clearly from Broly. Um, like, this, for example. Like, they changed the style a lot for it. And the, the swap between 2D and 3D just... It didn't work. Whereas Superhero, Superhero was entirely, entirely 3D. And I wasn't sure how that was going to work. But seeing it, like, seeing the movie on in cinema, it worked great. Like, it was great. They they obviously had to rework some of the models. Here's the, the problem with um, 3D and Dragon Ball. Dragon Ball was designed in the context of 2D animation, where, for example, it's got the... Dragon Ball has the, the Mickey Mouse problem, where no matter which direction Mickey Mouse is facing the camera, um, Mickey Mouse is... Um, <coughs> no matter which way Mickey Mouse is facing the camera, his ears are always going to be in the the same um the same how would you say it uh perspective here we go here's a great example of it so whether he's face on which looks very cursed whether he's side on it's always in the same position when you do when you have a character like goku which has the exact same thing where goku's hair will always face in the exact same direction, regardless of where the, the camera is actually facing. When you don't do that, it looks really off. This is why no matter what you do, a like a real-life Mickey Mouse uh, poster, uh, the post, like a model or something like that, is always going to look weird. And this, as I said, the same is true for Goku. Uh, same is true for Vegeta as well. So I believe they actually had to redraw some of the frames to make sure that things like that line up. Also, just redesign the characters so they fit properly within a, a 3D context. Whereas other characters designed in the context of 3D don't have this problem. Now, the thing with Mickey is that they always want to have the ears being a um, very distinctive part of his character, regardless of where he's actually looking. Um, so that's why he's like that. But... It is a problem that other characters will um, tend to face as well, especially older character designs and um, designs trying to be very, very distinctive. Other times, um, 
other times character uh, character designers are just lazy and uh yeah don't actually um don't actually care <laughs> like you know i'm just gonna draw the hair once and it's gonna be the same no matter what i'm doing and that's that i have talked about nothing on my list of topics haven't i i talked about like three things um i'm gonna take a short break and uh we'll talk about something else mcdonald's gaming chair that's not a sentence i thought i'd ever ever, ever hear myself saying but um yeah, that's a, a thing that exists. McDonald's McCrispy gaming chair has a fry holder and a sandwich warmer. Two fries, too serious. What a tagline, Tom's Hardware. I love it. So the UK arm of, of McDonald's is giving away a gaming chair. I believe it's giving away four gaming chairs? I, I thought it was multiple, not just one. Uh, maybe I am mistaken. <clears throat> to celebrate its new game-changing chicken burger. The McCrispy, <laughs> and we're not sure, and we're not sure if we're loving it. This okay, okay. You know, I'll I'll get back to criticizing the chair in a bit. Let's see what what it actually does. The giveaway was announced on the McDonald's UK Facebook page with a video showcasing the yellow, uh, the yellow and black racing style design, as well as its garish and gimmicky additions such as a fry holder, a hot box to keep your McCrispy warm during gameplay, a stain-proof treatment, which this you, uh, which, which this will need, which this will need if you're eating greasy food while sitting in it, and slots for two of your favorite dips. Only two dips. I'm like a open all of the dips kind of guy. I have like four dips open at once. Um, <clears throat> let's have a look. See. The, I'm sorry, did I say it? The McCrispy Ultimate Gaming Chair featuring perfectly crafted fries holder. It's only perfectly crafted, unless there are other gaps there, it seems like it's only per uh, perfectly crafted for large. A, <laughs> a hot box to keep your McCrispy warm during gameplay. Now, what this box will actually be used for is for marijuana. Um... And then a stain-proof leather treatment, so no spills or stains. <laughs> wait, wait, which sort should you go? It's sweet and sour and ketchup. That's not a bad choice. This is so stupid. Win the Mick Crispy gaming chair. Whoever wins this chair, that chair is going to be worth so much money. Do not... Okay, guy, whoever wins this chair, do not use the chair. Keep the chair. And hold it. Don't sell it instantly. Hold it. This chair, in new in box, is going to be worth shitloads of money for stupid people who want to buy it. Stupid people likely being a YouTuber. A YouTuber is going to pay you a lot of money. I'm not going to be that YouTuber. But a YouTuber is, is going to pay you a lot of money. Or a Twitch streamer. Someone is going to want this chair. Someone is going to want this chair, and you will make a lot of money from it. So, the chair itself. The chair itself is fucking ugly. <laughs> like, there's no other way to describe it. Not only is it bright yellow, not only that, but also, all the way down, it just says McCrispy all over it. Also, is that two different shades of yellow? Or is that just the the background looking weird? 
Because I think the, the shade of yellow on the cup holder or the the uh, wait is there a cup holder? Wait is 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 there a cup? <laughs> wait, so it has a fryer holder, two sauce holders, and a fucking burger holder, but no cup holder. <laughs> McDonald's, what are you doing to me? Oh, I hope it has a cup holder. It's just not being listed. I really do. That would be so stupid if it doesn't. But yeah, this chair is ugly as hell. Um, but I kind of want it. I don't want to sit on it because gaming chairs are disgusting. It's got these stupid, like, I, I hate bucket chairs. I, I've had multiple bucket chairs in the past. They're not comfortable. I've used bucket chairs in many contexts. They're not comfortable. I don't know why people keep buying them. Buy a normal office chair like this guy. Uh, this one, not this one specifically. This one's falling apart. Um, <laughs> but buy a normal office chair. It's going to be cheaper. It'll feel better. It might not have a burger holder and it might not have a chip holder. But most of your chairs probably don't have that either. So um, you're not really losing out on much. Um, if this chair doesn't get flipped for less than $1,000, I'll be very surprised. Uh, for, sorry, for more than a thousand dollars, I'll be very surprised. <laughs> uh, fake clickbait product made for viral ads. Why are you saying the fake clickbait product made for viral ads? It's literally a thing that they're that they're giving away. What are you talking about? It's it's literally a real product. <laughs> it's a real thing that you can you can quote unquote. I would say win. As I said, it's not a thing you ever want to sit on, but it is a thing that you want to sell. Uh, the terms state there is no cash alternative to the prize, suggesting that it is indeed priceless. Look, you don't want a cash alternative, because this thing is going to hold its fucking value. As I said, if it stays in box, it's going to be a very expensive, stupid chair. <laughs> so, look... But the only, the only problem here is it's only, it's only available for people in England, Scotland, and Wales. You can't eat, like, it's not even happening in, like, the US or Australia or anything, anywhere else. Just in those three places. So, I hope that one of the, like, the London YouTubers win it or something stupid like that. I think it would be funny. Or better yet, I hope one of the London YouTubers buy it. Because that would be fucking hilarious. <clears throat> but, yeah, that's dumb. Um, but I want it. <laughs> Speaking of things that are dumb, but I want it. Uh, actually, no, I don't really want it, actually. Um, 8K gaming is becoming this thing that is, like, being marketed by, uh, by the, like, the GPU company. So, 4098 k So, uh, somewhere on... Somewhere on the product page... For the 4090, at least it did say, I don't know if it does now, 8K. Yeah, 8K HDR gaming. You can game at 8K if you play Stardew Valley. Like, you, you can play, like, relatively, I say relatively modern, like, three, four, five-year-old games at 8K at, like, 30 FPS on max settings. So, like, it's not unplayable, but... The difference, there's an LTD video on this that does this really well. The difference between 4K and 8K, because games are not made with 8K in mind. The problem, okay, the problem with upping your resolution 
is they're not upping the texture quality. There are no games that are shipping with like 4K or 8K textures. So it doesn't matter if you have a higher resolution, it's going to look exactly the same. The only difference is you'll get like, you will avoid having to do like anti-aliasing and things like that. So I just, I don't care about 8K being a thing that you can like theoretically do. Plus the fact that like 8K displays, 8K monitor, ah, uh, expensive. Where's the price? Here we go. Here's a Dell 8K monitor. This is US pricing, by the way. Um, not, not Australia pricing. $3,969.99. That's very expensive. That's more than my first car was. <laughs> that is so, so expensive. Um, when, mate, look, maybe when you can get these displays under, under, what, $1,000, some will care? We're only just getting to the point where 4K is entering the, firstly, reasonable to actually drive, but secondly, reasonable to actually buy. So, you can get 4K displays now. They're obviously not the best 4K displays, but you can get 4K displays for a couple hundred dollars. Like, $260 for this one. Uh, this is probably early Black Friday sales, though, so do keep that in mind. Um, there are displays under $1,000. Like, you can do 4K now reasonably. I don't care about 4K on Linux because scaling is broken. Like, it just doesn't work properly on X. It works a little bit over on the Sway side, but I don't want to have to do scaling for stuff. I'd much rather just not waste that extra that extra screen and just and just go with what I'm using because it's gonna it's gonna be fine. So most gamers oh, let's look at those recent Steam hardware survey and see what most gamers are actually playing on. Because I guarantee it's not 4K, and I definitely guarantee it's not 8K. I would be very surprised if it's even 1440p. Wow, look at that. It's not even 1440p. Um, so, <laughs> most gamers on Steam are playing at 1920 by 1080 It is going down. Granted, it is going down. Some people are slowly moving up to 1440p. I think 1440p is going to be... In, like, five years, 1440p might end up replacing 1080 but I don't see 4K becoming this thing. Oh, sorry, uh, this one. This one is the 4K we're looking at. I don't see, because that's um, ultra wide. I don't see, I don't see this becoming a major thing anytime soon. Because most people just want to, especially considering the top GPU on Steam is still the fucking 1060. Um, most people, most most gamers just just want their games to play well so they're going to keep the lower resolution and then just and then just like go from that the 2060 is taking its place very soon though which is actually kind of surprising um because they're both growing still um but the 2060 is growing quicker so i wouldn't be surprised if in but the 3060 is growing even ah i i know why because the 2060 
when did the 2060 come out? Did the 2060 come out during the GPU shortage? NVIDIA... Oi. Uh, 2060. Because that might be why the 2060 didn't replace the 1060. Uh, 20 series. Okay, no, it came out before. So it came out in 2018. But during that period, the 1060 was still, like, very popular. So it seems like a lot of people have just straight up skipped past the 2060 or are sitting on the 1060, skipped past the 2060, and are going to the 3060. Um, I kind of expect within a couple of Steam hardware surveys, because the, the 4060 hasn't been announced yet and probably won't be a thing for another, like, six or so months. So by that time, I wouldn't be surprised if the 3060 ends up becoming the top card on uh, on here. I kind of hope that one of the uh, AMD actually moves a bit up this list because right now, yeah, a AMD cards, the literally the top thing for AMD is integrated AMD graphics, which is really sad. When it comes to, like, like the 570 is the one of the next popular cards. Vega 8 graphics is... Uh, Vega 8, what is that? What is that? What is Vega 8? Is that 1600? <coughs> uh, Vega 8. That's the fourth... Oh, that's the 4,000, 5,000 integrated... Once again, it's fucking integrated uh, GPUs. And then, like, when you get into, like, 6,600, 6,700, you're down to, like, 0.3... There's a storm coming. There's a storm coming. Oh no! The raft! <laughs> I couldn't help myself. Um, yeah, it's 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 summer here, and we're getting a lot of uh, summer, late spring. I don't know. I don't know seasons. It's hot now. I've got the air conditioner on. You probably can't hear it because it's like it's not very loud in this room. Um, <clears throat> but uh, yeah. Uh, what was I saying? GPUs, right? Something about 8K gaming. Yes, 8K gaming is dumb. I think the only place where 8K actually makes sense is VR. VR makes sense because 8K, the display is going to be so close to your eyes, you're actually going to notice. It's the same reason why 4K phones are stupid. This is 1080p. 1080p for a phone is <clears throat> basically the top that you would ever sensibly care about because why would you go above 1080p? You literally cannot see the pixels. Like, it's not the, the matter of the human eye can't see above 4K or can't see... There's definitely a storm coming. The human eye can't see above 1080... The human eye can't see above 4K. It's literally the pixels are so fucking small that you won't be able to see it unless you're looking at it like this, which in most context, uh, most contexts, uh, you know, is too close to the screen to properly focus on it anyway. So if we're talking about, like... Yeah, there's this thing where, like, gaming TVs are becoming popular... Like, I say popular. They're being talked about a lot by by uh, gaming YouTubers, and they're being trying to be popularized. When we're talking about, like, an 80-inch TV, 100-inch TV, yeah, 4K, uh, 8K makes sense. When we're talking about, like, a cinema display or a projector, absolutely, 8K makes sense. But for gaming, um, yeah, the Steam hardware survey doesn't lie. People surprisingly have six core CPUs now. 
Uh, I think it's because AMD is, like, picking up quite a bit, but they actually dropped off, surprisingly. Huh. I don't... I'm surprised that AMD leveled off at 38%, uh, 30%, because this was, like, constantly growing, like, month on month for quite a while. Um... Same, okay, this makes sense because a, uh, NVIDIA just released their new cards. Um, <laughs> I really hope that going to this next generation of GPUs, we do see a bit more, a bit more competition. Like, not just, hey, AMD is in last place. It is what it is. Um, hopefully, AMD's cards do end up selling better. I, they're obviously not going to sell better than the NVIDIA cards because NVIDIA is like, that's where people are focused on right now. That's the big thing. I really hope I don't lose power. <laughs> that's the uh, that's the big thing right now. Um, but hopefully, especially with AMD being a lot more aggressive with their pricing. So, what is it called? The 7900XTX. This is their, their like... This is their 4090 competitor. Um, oh, wait, is the other way around? Is it, wait, sorry. Is the XTX the 4090 competitor or the XT? Which one's the more expensive one? Sorry. They've named them XTX and XT. Um, yeah, the XTX on average is like 10% slower than a 4090. I know that LTT did a video on their numbers like they they obviously not perfect numbers but they're like um extrapolated out numbers and if we're seeing like you know even if it's like 20 percent less performance but for 50 percent of the price i think that a lot of people that like the people who don't want absolute top of the top but do want like really good gaming for a surprisingly good price are going to probably are going to probably jump down because look at this 4090s 3000 Australian dollars some of these are more expensive than my first car my first car was like 30 37 yeah 3700 not 37000 uh 3700 um but if we look at the i think the the recommended re uh the rec what is it recommended retail price that's it um seven nine hundred XTX I think it was like nine hundred <clears throat> now keep in mind they're obviously not going to be selling at the MSRP because it's MSRP and MSRP doesn't mean anything um <clears throat> but if we're seeing you know if we're seeing even <clears throat> like. 20 or 30% higher than that. Like, they sell for, like, 1,400 US dollars. It's still a fucking great deal. Like, obviously, it's not, a, it's not a great deal if you care about dollar performance. But if you're looking for basically top-of-the-line without top-of-the-line dollar, the 7900 XTX seems like it's going to do it. The only problem... Okay, the big problem with the AMD cards at least in the context of creators, not Linux created because the drivers on Linux are bad for NVIDIA. 
Um, <clears throat> but if the drivers on, <clears throat> on, on Linux were good for NVIDIA, I would buy an NVIDIA card because NVIDIA just makes the better created GPUs. You have both CUDA and NVENC. And that by itself is enough for, to, to sell any, any content creator. CUDA for your, you know, your, your rendering and then NVENC as your encoder. Now, AMD does have their own encoder, um, that I'm forgetting the name of. Uh... Uh, do, 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 do. Oh, they also made, they're also working on some new encoder stuff. What is their encoder called? The AMF encoder? Yes, yes. Something like that. Um, I don't believe you can use, can you use it out of the box No, you can't use, okay, you can use it out of the, I don't think I'm actually used, am, am I using it? No, I think I am, yeah, I, I'm pretty sure I am. I, anyway, NVENC is just a higher quality encoder, but maybe we're gonna see that change, because, <clears throat> um, AMD is a, uh, a platinum sponsor for OBS now. Can we find a page? OBS... Uh, AMD OBS sponsor. There's where? Okay, here we go. Diamond, sorry, not platinum. <clears throat> I forgot how the tiers work. So that puts them in their like top tier of uh of sponsors. So hopefully this means that AMD is trying to like actually compete with NVENC. Now they don't really have a a solution for CUDA. Um. Yeah, they don't really have a solution for CUDA, which doesn't really help. Um, but it's not like CUDA is used for most video editing on Linux anyway, so it doesn't matter for me. But I would like a, a NVENC level of, uh, of encoder for my video capture. Absolutely. Um, the other thing for the regular gamer that NVIDIA just does better is uh, ray tracing. Like, it's, we're getting to the point now where the consumer-level cards, not the prosumer, like, 4019, all that nonsense, the consumer-level cards, if you drop down your settings a bit, can actually do ray tracing. Like, I will not be surprised if on the 4060 and 4070, at 1080p, at, like, medium-high settings, they are perfectly capable ray tracing cards. Because I'm pretty sure the... 3060, oh god, the thunder is getting worse. I'm pretty sure the 3060 is already playable with ray tracing, if not, if not good. Um, okay, that's, okay, no, no, it is actually, sorry, correct me, I, I'm actually mistaken, my information is a bit outdated. Okay, no, it's still not good. Um, at... 1440p, 30fps, you're getting... I don't know what settings they're playing at, though. High settings. Okay, high settings. So if you're playing a couple-year-old game on the with ray tracing enabled, with dropping your settings down to medium-high, I think the, the 4060, 4070... Are going then probably like 4060 Ti or 4070 Ti, whatever ends up coming out. 
I think ray tracing is going to be a thing for the regular people. Now, obviously not max settings. That's like 4090 nonsense. But like the the regular sort of settings, I think I think is going to be perfectly capable for ray tracing, which is going to put a dent into AMD because yeah, AMD's ray tracing performance even with these new cards isn't good and isn't really getting that much better. Like I think they're seeing quote-unquote big improvements because the numbers they had before were not good in the first place. I think we're just under, like on these top tier cards, just getting to the point of like console playability, which is, yeah, um, maybe one day, maybe one day I'll get to experience ray tracing, but I'm not, I, I play like 10-year-old JRPGs, so like, Ray tracing wasn't exactly going to be up my alley anytime soon, but it would be nice if I get around to playing a game like the new Dead Rising for uh, Dead Dead Island, for example, which I only found out is just uh, is coming out next year, like literally today, um, because AMD is doing. Ah, uh, here's the thing: if you want to buy a new GPU, AMD is doing a promotion right now, um, uh, where they are giving away keys to Dead Island Two. And there was another game in the uh, bundle as well. The Callisto Protocol. Ah, uh, yeah. So if you want either of those games and you're looking for a new GPU, then uh, AMD is going to going to serve you, which is nice because hey, they're gonna be they they're new games and the price of the GPUs didn't go up, so you're getting these free games. And if you're gonna play them anyway it saves you maybe like, you know, a hundred or so dollars, which is cool. How are we going to be able to play these games um, on the like 6,000 series? Good question. I don't have an answer for you, um, but it should be fine. Should be fine. <laughs> you know, when I buy a new GPU, eventually I'll stop talking about GPUs on this podcast, but it's not going to happen. Uh, it's not gonna happen for a little bit. I'm I'm still waiting on on the Black Friday deals. I've been waiting like to see if there's any like early deals that happen, all of that fun jazz. So far there hasn't. There is a good deal on a 6700 XT. I think it's like 600. Um 67. Fifth day, six to seven, fifth day, uh, sixty-seven. No, that's the six. Wait, that's the regular. That's the regular six not the XT version. My bad, my bad, my bad. Uh, XT. Here we go. Um, so there, yeah, six hundred dollars for the like lowest tier, uh, sixty-seven hundred XT, and the top tier is eight hundred and thirty. Sixty-seven fifty. Uh, we're closing in more, closer to a thousand-ish dollars. Honestly, if I was gonna buy this card, I would just buy this card. Like, there's no point not spending the extra twenty dollars and moving up to the sixty-seven fifty XT. But I'm not gonna do that. I'm probably gonna go with like, I don't know, one of these cards in here. Um, and then finally...
finally get good performance, get triple the performance, double, triple, one of the, double or triple the performance in FF14, which would be nice. Actually, one thing it would be nice for is FF13. So I'm playing through 13 right now, and 13 notoriously has a really shitty PC port. And it's very much, um, very much kept with the style over on the Linux side as well. It's a little bit funky. Um, the main issue it has is the frame rate is terrible. Like, it probably averages around 50, sometimes it's at 60, until you turn the camera. And it's like, hey, let's just drop down to 10 now, just for a moment. So there's a lot of stutter, a lot of stuttering the game has, and it's it's not like unplayable. <clears throat> like you can play it just fine, and the combat system works well enough where it, a little bit of stuttering is fine. It's not like it's not real time like a Devil May Cry game. It's real time like FF7 is. Um, so you have this like pseudo turn based system, and you have uh, yeah, it's a pseudo turn based system basically. We have like a a combat timer and enemies will attack whenever, but obviously they have their own timer. But it's not like you have you have to worry about like dodging attacks and moving around things like that. So it's it's a it's a workable it's a a workable kind of uh, issue. But I would like to brute force the problem not to happen, and I would like to be able to use the um the full the full refresh rate of my uh of my display because yeah I play 14 usually at 120 or so ish unless I'm in Limsa Laminza where I play at 60 because it's Limsa Laminza and that's where all of the RPs hang out. Yeah and and Limsa Laminza always has a lot of people. Um yeah <laughs> you probably address that with our mods by just hiding the people but <clears throat> I like the I like the atmosphere of Limsa. It's fun. And I like the RPs and the ERPs. <laughs> That's one thing I'm definitely uh, uh I'm I'm excited for not not ERP. Uh, I'm excited for for like data center transfer stuff because data center transfer didn't matter on Oceanic because there was one data center. But if we data center transfer in US and we go to over, over to like, let's say, hang out in Balamung or something like that. Well, that might be a bit of a different experience. Um, so yeah. <laughs> also, I guess we'll end it off with uh I've got a new keyboard. So this is ooh. Ooh, look at that. It doesn't show up super great in the camera, but it's got RGB. It's, it's got it, it's, well, I guess this this isn't RGB, this is R. But it does, it does have RGB. Um, uh, let's put it on a mode where it's easy to see. This, this mode. RGB. I just, I'm not a big fan of, I could probably work with this. What I'm not a big fan of is, uh, one's like, one's like this, where it's like constantly moving. I find that to be really distracting because I can, you know, I can see my my keyboard out the corner of my eye, and I tend to get distracted by a lot of stuff. Um, so I, I I just like I just like to keep it on R, 
And then, uh, yeah, we, we're good there. I guess I, I could change the color, but considering that my mouse is also red, and I guess my light back there is also red now, I might as well just keep it red. I like red. Red's nice. Um, but yeah, this is a red dragon. Um, so it's on the keyboard. <laughs> what is it? It's a red dragon. K618. The uh, Horus K618. And it's got a, a bunch of fun things on it. One of those fun things is this uh, volume knob. Now, this volume knob isn't some proprietary, like, software Windows nonsense. This maps to XF86 volume up and volume down. So I can use this on Linux. And not just use it on Linux, it's bound the same way it was already bound on my other keyboard. Uh, so it just works exactly like it should. This also being a gaming keyboard has like, it's got these, these macro buttons along the top that you can program to do whatever you want. I'm not a big macro guy, so it doesn't really matter to me. Um, these little buttons here are your, your media buttons. There's not as many as my other one that I don't have a, oh no, I do have a play pause. Oh, it's just a merged play pause. Okay, 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 that's fine. I'll just have to rebind stuff then. Um, but I could have gotten this as like a 10 keyless. I like my my numpads because I like to have my numpad as a, like a, how would you describe it? A um, macro bay, basically. I, I, well, I guess that's the only macro bay I use. I use this as bindings for like OBS and things like that. Now, this is also not a Cherry Switch keyboard. I have um, famously, if you go to my channel, it's actually like one of my biggest videos, famously said how I don't like mechanical keyboards. Um, this is not your, your original early days mechanical though. So that video has, oh, it's not that popular, it's a little more popular, 21,000 views. Um... This is a low-profile linear red. Uh, I'll show you. <clears throat> low-profile... Low-profile mechanical switch. This is a switch that I had been very interested to try out for quite a while. So your tradition... I guess the blues will work. They're basically the same. There's just different colors and different weights and things like that and actuation points um from the outside they look the same so this is your conventional mechanical switch they are usually on your gaming keyboards things like that your whatever whatever keyboard you have this is the more the the newer low profile mechanical switch they are six millimeters thinner and then there's also like another optical version as well now a lot of keyboards will use these low-profile mechanical switches, but will put traditional keycaps on them. So, they're certainly thinner than your traditional keyboard, like 6 or so mils, but they're not that much thinner. What the Red Dragon does, and what this, this keyboard is a clone of, um, the, I want to say Logitech C15. Um... See 915, sorry, 915. Is it 915? 
yes, yes, it's a coin of this keyboard. Uh, it. Uh, show me a good picture. Show me a good picture. Here we go. This is the Logitech 915, and you can see it's got these very, very thin keycaps. And the exact same is true on the Red Dragon K618. These keycaps are not that common. They're not impossible to buy, um, but they're certainly not as common uh, as the traditional ones. Low profile mechanic. Uh, Low profile mechanical cap. <laughs> uh, I, you can okay, you can definitely find them. Yeah, you can definitely start finding them in places like Etsy. So presumably you'll be able to find them in other places like Amazon, things like that. Um, it's not as bad as it was a couple of years ago. If I'd bought this a couple of years ago and I ever wanted to like change out keycaps, things like that, basically you're you're kind of stuck and there's not much you can do. But considering that these are making their way out and there are actually devices using these switches now, it's getting to the point where I can reasonably use a mechanical keyboard. The problem I had with traditional keyboards is they're like, they're just way too high. You need a wrist rest for them. I know some people are fine with them, but I like my hand being as close to the desk as possible. And that's that's what my my KC Cherry Stream did really really well it is very thin and i love it and this uh this new keyboard is only a touch thicker maybe like I'd, i've not checked it but maybe maybe it's not really thicker at all actually this is a very unscientific way of measuring it let's do it the other way so they're actually the correct side um it's maybe, I would say, two or three mils higher, which isn't a major deal. I can accept that. And I think this, I, I've already just started using it today, so I can't really give my like, long-term thoughts on it. But I think I'm going to keep, I'm going to stick with this, and I'm going to use these low-profile uh, these, these low profile switches going into the future. Now, the main reason I switched isn't because I just wanted to buy a new keyboard. There's actually two reasons. Um, firstly, you might notice that this this Cherry Casey Cherry Stream is missing a keycap. Um, it's here. It This has been breaking off for a while. Now, you can get them back on, but remounting a mechanical... Um, a, uh, a scissor switch is a pain in the fucking ass. So I have not done it. The other reason I haven't done it is... The reason I bought the keyboard. So I bought the keyboard before this uh, this this key broke. Um, I was playing FF14. I was doing a raid. I held down the W key and I didn't go forward. So there are some points where if you actuate the key, it wasn't resetting it. So it wouldn't actually let you press it again. That was really annoying, and I just, I didn't want to deal with it anymore. It had started to become a problem a while ago, and I, I've, I've wanted to try these, these, these low-profile linear switches for a long time anyway. So, th this gave me sort of a good opportunity to actually do it. 
Maybe in the future I'll try out that Logitech keyboard that this is a clone of. Because from my understanding, that is a a much uh, nicer keyboard. Like, this is not a bad keyboard in any definition of the term. Um, but this Logitech one is also, like, um, $400 in Australia. So, like, that's a lot for a keyboard. But it's well-built. And I love Logitech. Like, I, I have, like multiple logitech mice i i am very much a logitech shill and i'd be happy to use a logitech keyboard as well um maybe in the future that'll happen but for now i'm gonna keep with the red dragon and maybe we'll see if uh, red dragon lives up to the hype because this is a company that you know it, it came onto the market sort of out of nowhere and made these cheap um these cheap clones of a lot of devices that people wanted to use and they gained a lot of popularity for it. So I want to see if that hype's actually real and, you know, it's worth the money. Or if I should have gone and, like, spent the money and bought something a bit nicer. We'll see what happens. And, um, yeah. We are closing in or just past the uh, two-hour mark. Actually, one thing I'll do is I want to show you these new lights. So these are... I think I think they were like a TikTok trend because if you look up um like if you look up lamp like RGB lamp on Amazon you get a hundred different clones of these. I think it's like some something where people are lighting up their corners or something like that, but they work really well as a way to like light up the edge of a cabinet. I'm thinking of possibly getting another one to put on my, um, my, uh, my, uh, what do you call it? Bookshelf. Um, just so there's like, just so all of the, the cabinets there are lit up in that way. But, uh, they, they're not super bright, but I think they do add a bit of, bit of interesting, how would you say, like, look to the background. Especially if I turn the, uh, light off. I think like that, they actually look pretty cool. Now, I won't record regular videos like this just because of the fact that my camera's not great at doing low light stuff. It's not great at fucking focusing on my face either. Focus on my damn face. Oi, you fucker. Focus on the damn face. What are you doing? Okay, now we're good. Um, yeah, my camera's not great at doing low light stuff. So I don't know whether I would actually want to do that but i think they do look pretty cool um i'm gonna change the color there is a bunch of fun modes here so this is that's yellow and that looks greenish to you that's red that's green that's a, another different that's like a cyan that's a purple that kind of looks purpley blue blue actually does look blue uh, another blue, and that's white. Oh, that actually is white. Huh. Maybe that would look cool with... Uh, I don't know if that would look good with the lights on. The only reason I went red is because uh, I, I tend to like having my shots be... Like, I, I have a lot of orange light coming into my face because I, I feel like that makes me look not deathly ill. And the the red kind of makes sense with that. The blue, I, I've tried the blue once, and it just it seemed really off. But, um... My favorite mode that's not just a color is like one of these modes. So they actually 
have a microphone in them and will react to my voice. Like there's this mode as well. Um, sorry. This mode as well, where it's sort of like a, a visualizer. I find that one to be really annoying though. <laughs> and then you have this one, this one, where it does the same thing as the first one, but starts in the center. I think that's super cool as well. Um, but I, I will probably just keep them on a single color and yeah. Maybe when I eventually get my new camera, that will definitely be a lot better for doing low light stuff. Uh, I will actually do stuff with the lights off like this. Actually, if anyone, if I clip this and anyone sees it, let me know if you think I should put another one on the bookshelf itself. <clears throat> I'm thinking of doing so, just so it doesn't, just so it's not that like one thing that looks out of place. But I don't know. We'll see what happens. I did have another lamp I was going to put up there as well, but. I, I didn't think that one looked anywhere near as good. So I'll, I'll repurpose that one for a, another reason. Um, <clears throat> but for now, this is the look that my videos are going to have. I guess with the lights on. And maybe I'll stream like this, actually. I think this could work for a, a gaming stream. Because I would have my camera be, like, small down in the corner. And I think it would look pretty cool. Uh, anyway, that is going to be it for me. Next week, there's probably going to be a guest. I've not arranged anyone, um, but there probably maybe is a guest if I do so. Uh, so yeah, keep an eye out for that one. My main channel is Brody Robertson. I do Linux videos and all that fun stuff. I've got Brody Robertson Plays, where I do my gaming streams. And if you're listening to the audio version of this, the video version can be found over on the YouTube. If you're watching the video version, the audio version can be found on any of your favorite podcast platforms and there's an RSS feed and all of that fun stuff. So, uh, yeah, go and check that out. And if you like it, then go and like it and all that fun stuff. And do please subscribe. So that's going to be it for me. And, uh, yeah, I'm out.